Amen. Good morning. Good to see you on this last day of 2023. We're all going to have to get used to the 2024 now from here on out. Um, just a couple things before the message this morning. Uh, those of you, obviously, that was at Robert's memorial service know this. Uh, the Johnston family has been so generous in wanting to get Christian resources out uh, to, to folks. And so today, uh, there's even a table out there. Please take uh, any of those resources there. They are a gift from the Johnston family to you. You can give them away. Uh, they just want to get God's word and God's resources out there to folks. And we just thank them and continue to pray for them uh, as they go through the loss uh, that they've just recently went through. It was good to see so many folks from the Oasis there on Thursday at Robert's service. And then don't forget Wednesday, this Wednesday, January the 3rd at 7 p.m., our midweek service starts back up right here in the auditorium, and we've got stuff for kids and for our youth. So that's this coming Wednesday. Don't forget to join us the first Wednesday of the year. Then don't forget also that next Saturday, the 6th, we got to take all these wonderful Christmas decorations down. So if you could help us, uh, we would greatly appreciate you joining us on Saturday morning uh, to take those down. And then as Scott was saying, I've been really pointing towards Sunday, January the 7th, the first Sunday of a new year, that we will commit ourselves to being in God's house more than we ever have uh, previously, and that God wants to see his people faithful to his house. So that's next Sunday. We have the opportunity to start off our year uh, in God's house. So look forward to that. Uh, today, the message is going to be based on 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel 26, as we continue our series on David, the worshiping warrior of God. And there's six things that I want to really highlight from this chapter this morning. And they all deal with sort of the purposes of God that he is, is building into the life of even David and, and others through what they're experiencing. It is a reminder to us, and I hope this will be an encouragement to you, that in every season of our life, in every situation of our life, great purposes can be achieved and accomplished. We don't need to be in optimal circumstances for great purposes to, to come about. In fact, we're seeing here as our study of David that even though David was anointed to be the future king of Israel at a very young age, he spent many years running for his life from Saul. And yet it was during those years that many of the most beloved psalms that we have in the Bible were written by David that God was doing something in David's life even through some of the most difficult, hard, painful days of his life. And so that's a good reminder to us. God can always accomplish things, and eternity can be changed no matter what situation we're going through, good or bad, if we're open to what God wants to do. So the chapter begins by reminding us that the Ziphites who've already betrayed David and told Saul where he's hiding because David has been out in the desert places hiding out there from Saul for his life, that they found out where he's at and they once again betray him. So here comes Saul. Remember, a couple weeks ago, 
Saul was crying, he was weeping, he was telling David how sorry he was that, you know, he would never do this again. You ever had people in your life that, you know, they, they keep apologizing for their behavior, but their behavior never changes? That, that's Saul. Because guess what? Saul basically comes right back. The Bible says he collects 3,000 elite troops, and he once again is after David, wants to kill him because David is a threat. He's jealous of David. He's, he's envious of David. He, he has grown to hate this young man for really no reason because as David later says to him when he finally has a conversation with him, he says, why has the king of Israel come out and looked for a flea in the desert? That's why I entitled this psalm, A Flea That Won't Bite. Because <laughs> David is not about to bite Saul. And notice even in the humility of David, he's looking at himself as just a flea. But Saul is consumed with this young man and wants to get rid of him. So the first thing, though, I want us to see is you would think that David would want to do everything he could to stay as far away from Saul as possible, right? Saul's the threat. And yet you'll notice early on in this chapter that David sets out and he wants to go right into the camp of Saul with his 3,000 troops. And you're going, what would possess David to make that kind of choice? I will tell you, the leading of God. I want us to talk for a few moments about the leading of God. That's why David is doing this, because God is leading him to do it. It is a reminder to us that there will be times in our life where God will lead us to do things or into things that don't make sense. Because God is looking for people to follow a God that we won't always understand. See, God is infinite. God is way beyond us. That's why God calls us to faith and trust in him. And there's no way that you and I, as flawed, fragile, finite human beings, are always going to be able to wrap our mind around the ways of God. So that's why God calls us to trust him and live by faith, not walk by sight. And there will be times in our life where God will lead us to do things that don't make sense. Will we be willing to follow? And, and even when it does make sense, will we be willing to follow? We all have to be open and willing as we enter into a new year to say this is the year that I'm going to let God lead me. Which also then implies that I've got to be willing to listen for his voice, to heed his voice, to, to know when God is speaking to me, to get more in tune with how God wants to lead me through his spirit and through his word. You and I have to be open to the leading of God and we've got to have a will, if you will, that is surrendered to God. We'll talk more about that in a minute. The leading of God. 
you see. So David is going to go down into the enemy camp. And he looks at the two guys that have sort of been with him to support him and encourage him along the way, Ahimelech and Abishai. And he says to both of them, who's going to go with me? Well, notice Ahimelech doesn't say a word, which probably tells me that Ahimelech in his mind going, you're crazy. This is the guy you've been running from, and now you want to run to him instead of running away from him? But Abishai, notice what Abishai says, I'll go with you. And, and we know that obviously this is going to be a dangerous mission. And so even in that, when we talk about the leading of God and all of that, it's, it's a good reminder to us that God wants us to live in partnerships with other people of God. God doesn't want us to do this alone. But there's only going to be a few people that are going to be willing to go with us every step of the way. Especially maybe when it doesn't make sense, when it might be a little risky or dangerous from a human perspective. There's only going to be a few people that say, I'm with you, I've got your back no matter what. And that was Abishai to David. By the way, let me ask you a question. If you had a dangerous mission to go on or a challenging mission to go on, who in your life right now would you choose to go with you to support you, to be a strength to you, to encourage you? And are you maybe someone else's choice that they would say, I want to ask you to go with me because they know your mettle. They know who you are and what you are. They know that you won't cut and run when the going gets tough. That no matter what is going on, you'll be there. That's what's happening here in this dynamic. And so Abishai and David go down into the camp of Saul with his 3,000 troops. Now, we learn that they go at night. And it says that all of the troops, get the picture here, it, it, it talks to us about where Saul uh, sees his security because it says that Saul, the king of Israel, is right in the middle of all 3,000 troops. And so he's surrounded by 3,000 soldiers. I guess that makes Saul feel more secure. And then it says right by his head as he's asleep is his spear. You know, the spear that he kept chucking at David, trying to kill him. He's got that right by his head. So that sort of, again, tells us that's his, that's his comfort, that's his security, is I've got my spear right by my head and I've got 3,000 troops around me. See, Saul, not being a person of faith in God, was trying to find his, his safety, his security, his stability in earthly things, not in God. And the Bible tells us if the Lord doesn't watch over the city, then the watchmen watch over it in vain. In other words, God is really the ultimate security, safety, and stability of any human life. 
And what God is going to illustrate even to Saul is that, Saul, all of your security blankets that you're putting around yourself can't prevent me from penetrating your defenses. In fact, let me go back to that first point of the leading of God, too. I want to say this. You and I have to get to a place in our life where God leading us into something or to do something may have very little to do about us, and it might have everything to do about someone else. David had already spared Saul's life once, remember, in the cave? So it wasn't like God was going to give him another opportunity to try to take Saul's life. He had already passed that test. And maybe this was, again, another test to say, okay, he's going to prove himself again. But I don't think that this encounter between David and Saul in this camp that night had as much to do about David as it did about Saul. I think God was still trying to reach Saul's stubborn, hard heart. And he was still trying to show Saul his love and his mercy by reminding Saul, Saul, I can get to you if I want to. And I want you to turn to me. I want you to come back to me. I thought of that as Nicole was sharing what God had laid on her heart today about just come back. That may be the message. And that's, I think, why God was leading David to go down into the camp. Not to show people that David was the bigger man and going to spare Saul's life, even though Saul was after his. That's already been proven in the cave. I think he's giving David this other opportunity to try to get through to Saul's thick skull. Well, with that said, notice what happens. All the soldiers are asleep. And Saul is asleep, and Abishai goes to David. David, here it is. Here's your opportunity. God's given you Saul once again on a silver platter. Let me take that spear that's by his head, and let me jab it right through his brains. And Abishai basically says, I won't need a second jab. I'll get him on the first one. And isn't it ironic in a sense that Abishai is saying, let me use his own spear because in a sense he's saying to David, David, the spear that he's thrown at you so often to try to kill you, let's use that. Isn't that poetic justice, David? And David recoils at Abishai's offer. He says, no, 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 do not kill him. How dare any of us lay a hand on the Lord's anointed? If the Lord wants to take him out, the Lord will take him out, David says. He'll either take him out by stopping his heart naturally, or he'll lead him into battle and he'll die in battle. But that's up to the Lord. That's not up to me. So we go from the leading of God to the will of God. Because what I want us to see again in this story of David is that the will of God always has to be, let me say it this way, opportunities always have to be interpreted in the context of the will of God. See, David was given an opportunity, but that didn't mean that God was giving him the opportunity to kill Saul. It was, again, to show mercy to Saul to try to get through to Saul. So when you and I are given opportunities, 
We must make sure that as we are being led by God, that we are truly looking for the will of God. And as I've shared with you before, just because God makes us aware of a need even, doesn't mean God is holding us personally responsible to meet that need. We have to determine, is this God's will for me to do this or that? And so you see these two great purposes, again, being sort of massaged into the heart and mind of David. When, when God finally puts David on the throne, he wants David to be a king over his people who he knows he can trust to be led by him and who will be focused on doing his will and his will alone. And that when he's given opportunities in his life, good ones or bad ones, they're always to be interpreted within the context of God's will. Is this something that God wants me to do? Or just because I have the opportunity to do it, maybe that's still not God's will, you see. And so we're seeing these purposes sort of reinforced in David's heart and in his mind. But here's something else I want us to see. Once David talks Abishai out of taking Saul's spear and jabbing it through his brains we're given this information, that David and Abishai were able to safely go in totally undetected into this army. That 3,000 soldiers along with Saul was sound asleep. And then the Bible tells us why they went in undetected. It says, because the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon all of the soldiers and Saul. In other words, God put all of these men in a sleeper hole and put them out. And that reminds us then about the power of God. You see the leading of God, the will of God, and now the power of God. And what I want us to be reminded of this morning is this. Never underestimate the power of God. As we've already sung, he is the almighty God, the omnipotent one, the one who holds all power in the universe. One of my favorite names for God in the book of Revelation is the almighty. It's the Greek word pantocrator. I mean, that just, I love that word. It just sounds powerful, pantocrator. That's our God. That's why the Bible says there's nothing too hard or too difficult for him because there's nothing beyond his power. The Bible is filled with stories about the miracle working power and the mighty works of God. And God wants his people at all levels and in all situations and in all seasons of our life, never to forget the power of God and how we can bring the power of God into every equation and, and every circumstance of our life. Do not underestimate the power of God. And let's not forget that when we talk about the power of God, that God's word has taught us that he wants to share his power with us. 
that we can live by his power, which is why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Humanly, we don't have the power to be able to do all things and handle all things and go through all things. But with God's power, we absolutely can. His power is sufficient. And you and I have a choice as human beings. We can either live in our own power, in our own strength, which which we will run out of very quickly, or we can live in the unlimited power of God, in a power that will never run out. A strength that is always there and always sufficient for us. Who but God could make sure that 3,000 soldiers and Saul were so asleep that there was no chance of any of them waking up as long as David and Abishai were there accomplishing what they were supposed to do. Only God could do that. And God can do all kinds of things. Because again... He's the almighty God. So what are they there to do? Well, again, I think this is more about Saul than it is David. So while they're there in the midst of this army, David says to Abishai, let's take Saul's spear and let's take his water jug. Why is David doing that? Because David wants proof, tangible proof, that he can turn around and show Saul, Saul, Here's another time I could have got you. Here's another time your head was on a silver platter for me and I spared your life. And it's not so much that David would do that to try to exalt himself. He's trying to show Saul, Saul, God can get to you anytime he wants to. God can get our attention anytime he wants to. And you and I as human beings need to come to that realization. When God truly wants to get our attention, oh, he knows how to get it. There are many human beings that totally dismiss God and ignore God, but then certain things can come up in their life and all of a sudden they get, as we say, really religious. All of a sudden, a God that they never prayed to, all of a sudden they're shooting up a lot of prayers. All of a sudden, a a house of worship that they never frequented it too often, all of a sudden now they're they're pretty faithful because all it might take is something to come into their life, a doctor visit, the results of a test, something happening in their family to a family member or friend or all of a sudden, and God all of a sudden has their complete attention. That's what God was trying to show Saul. Saul, I can get to you anytime I want to. But I don't want this to be about me always chasing you. I want you to love me. And Saul was continually pushing God away. So, We've seen the leading of God. We've seen the will of God. We've seen the power of God in these purposes. But let's go up now to once David takes the spear and the jug, he he does distance himself, but he calls out to Abner, Saul's general. And he basically says, "Uh, you haven't done a very good job of uh, protecting your king because look, look what I got. I got Saul's water bottle and I got his spear right here. I was right there, and none of you knew it. 
And then in the midst of this conversation between David and Abner, Saul hears and recognizes David's voice and says, oh, is that you, my son? And David basically says to Saul, Saul, why are you doing this? What have I done to you to cause you to try to hunt me down and kill me? And listen, if I've done something to offend God, then tell me what kind of offering I can bring to God. Because that's how God set up, you know, things in the Old Testament. But if, if, if you're doing this because this is from you, but that's not right. And, and notice here, David now is going to talk about the worship of God because he says some very important words. He says, why have men driven me away from being united with the Lord's inheritance? And why would I have the chance of my blood being spilt away from the Lord's presence? The Lord's inheritance in the Lord's presence. What's David talking about? And why am I saying this is about the worship of God? Because both of them represent the people of God and the house of God. That's the Lord's inheritance. See, David, more than anything, you know what he missed? He missed being able to come to the house of God and worship God with the people of God. Because he was on the run in the desert. Which is why, by the way, our meditation and memorization verse I'll give you right now is Psalm 63, verse 1. Psalm 63, verse 1. David longed to be able to come to God's house and worship God. Listen, it's not that God's presence wasn't with David. We know that the Lord was with him. But as the Bible teaches, there is a special manifestation of God's presence to his people when they come together to worship him. And David missed that. Out of everything else in his life, the one thing he missed was being able, in a sense, to go to church because it was taken away from him. Again, doesn't that remind you of what I shared a couple weeks ago about I noticed, Nicole and I noticed a marked difference in our church after being shut down for eight weeks during the pandemic. It was almost like all of us began to appreciate what we had but we didn't really appreciate it until we lost it. And then when we weren't together for a while, it was like everybody came back like gangbusters. And I mean, that first Sunday back, oh my goodness, it was like the level of our worship and everything just went up. Why is it that things aren't appreciated in our life until they're taken away from us? Wouldn't it be better to make sure that the things that are of great value to us, we appreciate them without them having to be taken away from us? No wonder then David wrote, one day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. You can understand why David wrote that. Because he longed for the worship of God and being able to come together with God's people in God's house, and he hasn't been able to do that for years. Hopefully you and I will prioritize the worship of God, not just our personal worship, but our corporate worship of God. 
because there's something special that God does when God's people come together to worship him. He manifests his presence in a way that he doesn't do in any other time. And he wants us to long for that, to yearn for that in our life, just like David did. A couple other things as far as the purposes of God. You have the leading of God, the will of God, the power of God, the worship of God. I want to talk for a moment about the blessing of God. The blessing of God. Because in this conversation now that David is having with Saul from a long way away, you can only imagine they're probably sort of yelling at each other. Because David is at least wise enough to go, I was willing to be in your midst while I knew God had you asleep. I don't trust you enough to be there when you're awake. So David says something interesting to Saul later on in the chapter. He says to Saul, the Lord rewards people of integrity and loyalty. I want you to zero in on that word reward. It's about the blessing of God in our life. God will bless those who follow him and are obedient to him. He is always rewarding us for our obedience and our faithfulness, way more than what even we deserve to be rewarded for. And hopefully, as we end this year and get ready to move into another year, that one of the things that we'll want more than anything else in the coming year is to live in and with and under the blessing of God. That the blessing of God is something we want in our life. That we can get rid of all other things and and they don't have to be as much of a priority, but God, I want your blessing. I want your favor in my life. Because man, when you're living under the blessing of God, there's nothing like it. And God wants to bless his people. It's not like the blessing of God is something that he reluctantly sort of doles out every once in a while. No, God wishes that he could just sort of pour out his blessing upon us. But so often, our response or our lack of response to God or our lack of interest in God holds God's blessing back. I'm hoping that this year, all of us at the Oasis Church will desire the blessing and favor of God so much that we'll say, God, whatever you need me to be, whatever you want us to be, in order to experience your favor and blessing, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll be open to. Listen, the Bible teaches us, Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love that you have shown for his name in having ministered to and continuing to minister to the saints of God, Hebrews 6.10. God will not forget our deeds. Jesus even said, God will remember that cup of cold water that you give to someone who's thirsty in his name. The Bible tells us that an inheritance awaits all of us when we get there. Because Jesus has went to prepare a place for us. And Peter tells us that this inheritance we're going to get, this blessing of God for all of eternity, 
It is indestructible. It is undefiled. It is unfading. It is reserved in heaven for us. Folks, God wants to bless our life here and now, but he's always going to reserve his biggest and best blessings for us in eternity. Why? Because if he blessed us ultimately here, these are blessings we would have to live, leave behind one day. We'd have to say goodbye to. I mean, he's going to bless us down here on earth. He does. But he's reserving his best blessings for us so that we can enjoy them and engage with them and experience them forever and ever and ever. That's the kind of God he is. The blessing of God. And that's what David was realizing in his life. God, you know, he, he may have me going through a, a, a difficult season in my life right now, but I know God is going to reward me. He's going to bless me. He's going to favor me. And, and you can even almost sense in David that David already realizes that because here David has just walked into an army of 3,000 people and walked out unscathed because of God. Because God was with him. Because God was blessing him. And God wasn't letting anything happen to David that others wanted to happen. God's purposes and plan would be fulfilled in David no matter what. One other. At the end of the chapter, Saul actually acknowledges that David will ultimately prevail. So I would talk about the triumph of God here after the blessing of God. Saul basically says to David, David, I know that you will be successful. He's basically saying, think about it. David, I, I know. In the end, you're going to be on the throne and there's not a thing I can do about it. That's not as much about the triumph of David as it is the triumph of God. Saul is basically saying, I realize in the end God wins. God wins. And that's true. And that's something God wants his people to understand and live with and live by every day. In the end, God wins. God triumphs. Read the prophecies of the Bible. Read the last book of the Bible, Revelation. What's it telling us? God wins in the end. God is letting man have his day, but man, when the Lord comes back, it's going to be God's day forever and ever after that. And the Bible tells us that God leads us in triumphal procession in Christ always. If you and I are following Christ and doing what Christ wants, Jesus has never lost anything in his life. And you and I can, can follow in his victory if we'll just follow him. And by the way, the Bible has already taught us that he has been victorious over all the forces of wickedness and evil in the universe. He triumphed over them by his cross, Colossians 2.15. In fact, he even went into the underworld and declared his victory to all principalities and powers and basically said to them, I pulled the plug on you. You, you, you don't have the power over my people anymore. If, 
If you have power in their life or whatever over them, it's because they're allowing it to happen, but not because it has to. Because I've won. I'm victorious. And we will always triumph in Christ. Now, think about this, though. Think about the deceptiveness of sin. Because here's Saul basically admitting that he's going to lose in the end if he keeps going down this path, and yet he keeps going down the path. You would go, why would anybody do that? Why would they know that they're going to lose and they're still going to go? Because don't you see that that's what we do as human beings all the time? And isn't that what Satan and all the demons of hell have done throughout history? Listen, they know, the devil knows he's going to lose in the end. Does that somehow change the devil into going, oh, well, if I'm going to lose, then I'm going to stop going down this path? No. He's going to continue to go down that path even though he knows at the end he loses. You say, well, that's crazy. No, it's not. How often have we, as human beings, we know that something isn't good for us, or that this isn't a good path for us, and yet we continue to choose to go down that path. Somehow thinking, somehow trying to, you know, reason or rationalize in our mind, we're going to be the one exception. We're going to be the one person that can ignore God and not do what God is asking us to do. And somehow my life and my eternity is going to turn out wonderfully, even though I'm doing my own thing. How many human beings have went down that road? How many even Christians say, I can ignore God and not make him a priority in my life and not pray and not read his word and not go to church and all this, and somehow I'm still going to live in the blessing and favor of God. How many of us go down that road thinking somehow we're going to be the exception? That's Saul. Saul knew that the path he was on was a dead end and yet he continued to go down that road. Listen, folks, only those who follow the Lord end up being the overcomers. Because in the end, God wins. And you and I ignore God to our own peril. And these were the purposes... (laughs) that God was building into the heart and mind of David as he was on the run for his life. Great purposes. Purposes that are relevant to our life every day. Because every day we have the choice of, are we going to be led by God or are we going to do our own thing? Are we going to do the will of God or are we going to do our own will or somebody else's will? Are we going to live by God's power or are we going to live by our own power? Are we going to make the worship of God a priority or not? Are we going to desire the blessing of God or not? And what about the triumph of God? Are we still trying to rationalize that we're going to be that one exception that can do life differently than the way God has set out and somehow it's going to turn out different for us? Are we finally going to get on board and go, you know what, God, you win in the end. 
I'm coming over on your side. I'm following you. These are the purposes that God wants all of us to get and to see out of 1 Samuel chapter 26. It's a great way to end one year and sort of to begin another year by making these six purposes things that we think about and live by every day of our life. I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come now, and I'm going to ask you to stand and join me as we close our message in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for being here and for meeting us today. We thank you, God, for using this young man David's life to speak into our life thousands of years later. God, so many relevant points, so many practical principles, God, that we can apply to our own life. And I pray, Lord, that as we get ready to finish another year, a year that, as we always say, goes by so swiftly, so quickly, that we will all, again, further realize we have such a short time on this earth compared to eternity. We're only here, God, for such a brief time. Help us to make our time on earth count for what really matters. That what's going to last throughout eternity. Help us not to get caught up with the temporal, the physical, and the material things. Not that they're wrong in and of themselves, but they do not bring any lasting, ultimate satisfaction or fulfillment. Only you do that, God. So God, may we fill our life with you as we end this year and begin another year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.